All right, everybody, welcome to The Primal Show. We are excited to have you back. This is episode seven. And as always, we have myself, Michael McKnight, and... And myself, Derek. And we have a special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself, special guest? (laughs) Oh, sure. Yes, my name is Andrea Moore. Andrea Moore, welcome to The Primal Show. We're excited to have you. Just Thanks to let so you, you're welcome. And just to let you know, this is episode seven, and you're our second guest. So we don't have guests on here that often. So we wow. appreciate you. <laughs> cool. You and Jeff Browning are the two special ones we've had on. So um, you're now in the what? same class as him. <laughs> yeah. No, no way. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, Andrea. We're excited to talk to you about some some things. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But as always, we wanted, we wanted to do a weekly recap, uh, share a little bit about training and nutrition for myself and Derek. And we're also going to have Andrea share that as well. Uh, Derek, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your week in terms of running, fitness, and nutrition, if there's anything you learned or implemented differently out of your routine. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I've kind of got back into running. It took 10 days off. I think I mentioned that last time. Um, so it's been fun to have like a full week under my belt. Um, did my first real long run coming back. And just like running is just so much fun. Like I feel like if you just get burned out, like taking some time off is great. And um, <laughs> like I feel totally healthy. And it's like nice just to come back and like have that love of running there again. Not that I ever really lost it, but just to kind of refine it, I guess, and like really find out why I run and and it's been fun too. Like I was talking to a friend of mine just about burnout a little bit and he runs full time. And he's like, oh, I just try to run with some people, whatever. So I've been making more of an effort to do group runs and run with people. And um, there was a Black Canyon training run Saturday or Sunday, I guess. And it was just fun yeah. to like go out and run with people and just have a good time. And and like, yeah, I go out and run, have a good workout in a long run, but also just enjoy the trail with people. And the miles go by so much faster when you're just there with friends and talking and hanging out and so that was really fun to do that versus doing like 15, 20 miles solo. Like I enjoy that as well, but I just like really, I guess I really rediscovered too, like why running's fun with people. Cause you can just go and chat about like nonsense for two or three hours and have a good time. And, and yeah, so, so running has been really good this week. Yeah. Good. And I, I asked you this last week. I'm curious to know if it's changed since it's been a full week since I've asked you this, but have you noticed any like detriments to your fitness levels from taking those 10 days off? Um, not really. Um, I don't know. Like I, when I ran on Monday after um, my long run, so I did a long run Sunday. Then I went to the gym afterwards and did a pretty heavy workout. So it definitely felt sluggish in the legs, but that's kind of normal though for a Monday. So it was like, it was a very easy run, but that was typical though. So it wasn't anything different. I don't feel like I lost any fitness really is more of just like getting back into the routine, but the routine also feels normal. So like, I think the a week or two off isn't really going to affect too much, at least in my experience. Yeah, I agree with that, but I'm just curious to hear your personal experience if you saw any differences there. Yeah, no, not really. And like, I didn't do a massive week. I'm definitely trying to play it smart coming back into it. So I did 60 miles last week with, I think, three days of weight training and everything felt fine. Um, Like I didn't feel like I really lost any fitness or I didn't really even feel sore. So it was, I was happy about that. Good. That's awesome. Anything new on the nutrition front? Experiment with anything or learn anything? Uh, not really. Although I did try some new fruit, which was fun. Um, oh, nice. What? It's it's called a strawberry papaya. I'd never seen it before. I was at Sprouts, and um, hmm. it's just like a it's a papaya, but it's a little smaller. Um, and I just saw it, and it was only like two or three dollars. So I'm like, yeah, why not try it? Like, if it tastes terrible, it's like it's two bucks, and I just won't buy it again. 
and I ate the whole thing. It was super good. And I liked it more than a regular papaya. It was a little bit sweeter. Um, and yeah, it was just delicious. So I really like that. And then for whatever reason, locally, we've been out of raw milk, um, just at all of our stores, basically, which has been kind of a pain. Um, yeah. So I did get a thing of raw uh, kefir, or kefir, however you say it. I mess it up every time we talk about it. Um, so I've been having some of that and I really like it. And then I also have been doing some goat milk too this week to kind of like fill in that gap of the raw milk I normally drink. And I love raw or just goat milk. It's delicious. Is that, can you just get that at Sprouts? I've never yeah. seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, I've only seen it at Sprouts and Whole Foods, but they might have it at like, um, like natural grocery or something. I'm not really sure. And that's not raw? No, that's what sucks. But like, it is easier to, easier to digest. So from a protein perspective, I feel like it's better than just like normal milk. Right. Um, but it's like, if I had the choice, I definitely would have taken raw milk over it. But it's oh. like good, better, best. It's the only option I had besides just buying normal milk. And I decided to go with the goat milk. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So it was a good week. It was fun. How about you? Yeah, for me, um, let's see training wise. So I just made the call this morning. I'm not doing the Arizona trail this spring. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I I've been getting a lot of messages from through hikers and then even like Jeff Browning up in Flagstaff, he was telling me how normally they have like 45, I guess there's a s- snow, snow, snowball or something. Is there a ski resort up there called that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is it snowball? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So yeah, he was saying usually their base is like 45 inches this time of year. And right now it's above 95 inches. Oh, geez. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. It's more than double. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, obviously like anything could happen, like it could stop snowing today and it could start heating up and it could melt. But like, you know, the biggest lesson I learned from my, uh, failed FKT attempt in October was I need to prepare better for this. And I don't want to just kind of like, be on the fence trying to figure out if it's actually going to happen versus just like going all in on something and being ready for something. So I made the call to push that and I'm going to do Coca Dona 250 and said, uh, seeing you out there, Andrea. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, I just signed up for that today. So, I mean, honestly, this is about the time I was going to start building again because I've just kind of been in a cross training situation since the Arizona trail in October. But now that I'm doing Cocodona, which is about a month later than when I was planning the Arizona trail, I am just going to take these next two weeks to continue cross training, continue to keep the runs a little bit lighter, but focus more on quality and speed. Um, but yeah, so training is just about normal for me as it has been for the past seven episodes or six episodes, I guess. Um, nutrition wise, though, I did find something new that I've added to my diet that I absolutely love. And Andrea's getting her pen out. <laughs> um, I like that. Taking some notes. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I might have to Google it while Andrea's talking, but uh, I found, I forget the name of it, but it's a, it's a cheese at Costco that I found. And okay. it's actually, um, it's really cool. It's a, it's a big block of cheese and it has like a brine. Is it, is that, is it called a brine that like hard? I think so. Like the shell around it. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. The skin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big piece of chili with some skin on the outside, but it's a combination of raw cow, sheep, and goat cheese. Oh, really? It's raw. Yeah. Well, that sounds delicious. Yeah, and it's aged too. So, I mean, obviously, if you don't like aged cheeses, you're not going to like this. But, I mean, the fact that it's raw, it's a blend of three different kind of cheeses, and it's a little bit aged, like, it's so delicious. I've just been, like, 
scooping it up like a little thing of ice cream and just eating it <laughs> throughout the day. <laughs> I've also, um, I, I love melted cheese. And so I even took a few slices and just like air fried it for three minutes and made it this like nice, crispy melted cheese and would just like eat it. It was just so Ooh. delicious. <laughs> that sounds so good. Yeah. So check that out. <laughs> I'm going to check that out for sure. <laughs> what about you, Andrea? Let's hear about your training, hear about your nutrition, um, what you're just coming off of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, it's always super fun. I'm, I'm probably more of a racer than a runner. I don't even know anymore, <laughs> but I, um, this last project that I kind of put together just for a new challenge, we raced Bandera. I think Derek, you said you were at Bandera too. Yeah, I shot a little film there. Oh man, missed yeah, we, you. We should have met. Um, Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so it, and that was my first time running Bandera. So beautiful out there. It was really, really an incredible course. And then of course, to do, get to see all the celebrities. Um, it was just, it was really, really awesome to meet some super cool people on a new course. And then we got to head back out to Arizona, which I love so much. That's why we're moving there because it's beautiful. <laughs> um, but we did Coldwater Rumble 100 the following weekend after Bandera and uh, got to see Jeff again. This was another course I got to share with him, which is so fun. He's he's such a nice dude. Like He's so humble and like salt of the earth and just he he's just incredible. I mean, what trail people aren't, you know, it's <sighs> rare. Um, but it's always special getting to see him just do what he loves to do. He does it so well. So that was really fun. And then this past weekend uh, here locally, we decided to see if my legs still work. And we went out and raced a 5K. So, which I hate. <laughs> I hate 5Ks. <laughs> um, you set a PR on it though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, the body is so amazing. And that's really like where I am right now on this wave. It's like, I shouldn't be able to do this. It's I'm trying to figure it all out and it's so interesting and excites me, but yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a fast runner. Um, I love the long course. Um, so, but yeah, a 5k. So that's kind of my last, I guess, couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, just, let's resonate on that for a second. You said a 5k PR after running two big races, two big ultras back to back, like freaking incredible. Yeah, that's wild. That's awesome. It, it, and it I do. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead, go. Andrea. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, this is this. So I, I am Andrea's coach. We'll dive into a little bit about why she's on the, the episode right now, <laughs> but yeah. like, it's not uncommon for your month to look like this, right? You love racing back-to-back -back stuff. <laughs> I know right now in your mind, Mike, you're like, I'm getting another text from Andrea. What, what are we doing now? You must like just shake your head every time I send you a message. I feel bad when I send you a message. I'm like, he's going to kill me. Um, like, you know, really to Derek's point, just real quickly, like, that's, I struggle. I, I run better when I run in a group. Um, and I have that connection with people. I, and I kind of using those races really as training runs. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. So, 
you know, if I, if something's coming up on the calendar or I have a big project coming up, I'll kind of just look to see what, you know, Mike can kind of plug in or what I can plug in instead of going out doing a, a four or five, six hour training run. I'd rather go do a race in a pretty place with cool people. <laughs> I think, I think Angie is being kind of humble right now. Um, like it's not uncommon to do races as a training run, but I mean, Andrea is hitting her goals. She's setting PRs and she's doing all these amounts of, and I'm not like trying to plug myself as a coach, but like what Andrea is doing, I think is incredible. Like she's racing a ton, which a lot of people say you shouldn't do. She's improving. She isn't getting injured and she's just crushing it out there. So it's pretty remarkable uh, what you're doing. <laughs> So don't be so well, humble. <laughs> well, that's, that's really nice. Um, definitely to your point, my, not everyone agrees. They, <laughs> they think, you know, I'm definitely going to hurt myself. They definitely think it's a bad idea. I've seen stuff on social media from various groups that actually like call me out and they're like, Oh, my coach would never let me do that. And I'm like, well, my coach is better than your coach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but it goes, we've had these conversations, Mike, it's about listening to your body and really being hyper aware, you know, and that effort management of uh, putting the right in place. I have learned so much just about food and fuel. Um, Food was very scary. Now it's kind of cool, you know, so it's, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's a good transition. Let's start talking about that. Do you have any questions, Derek, first though? Um, yes, we did have a question we were going to touch on briefly before we um, jump into Andrew's story. I really want to like hear how oh, your guys' right. training and like nutrition stuff's going because like Mike hasn't told me anything about it, Andrew, so I'm, I'm really interested. He just said you do high mileage and you've been doing... Um, his way of eating, which is really cool. So I want to, I'm really excited to dive into that. Um, but just real quick though, um, and this will relate to, we had a question from Stephen Roy. I think I'm pronouncing his name properly. Um, but he said, Hey guys, if wanting to become fat adapted and wanting to utilize animal based, I guess diet would be um, the rest of the question. Would you keep carbs out until post run slash workout or before? So Mike, what are your thoughts on that as a coach? Like if somebody who isn't fat adapted yet, but wants to become fat adapted and wants to start eating an animal-based diet, like, would you, would you encourage eating carbs before workout or after workout or a little bit of both? Personally, I'd say a little bit of both and like, it depends on the type of workout, like, and the purpose of the workout. Like if you want to get fat adapted, then a good way to like fast track that is doing some of your runs fasted. And I know that there's a lot of data out there saying how or why you shouldn't do runs fasted from potential of getting injured from messing up. Like a lot of what we're doing is we're trying to train our gut for these ultra races. So if you're not eating for any of your training runs, then it's going to make sense that you're going to have GI distress during race day because you're not training your gut. So obviously there's different goals and things that you got to consider, but the way I personally do it is if it's a speed day, then I will take in carbs before my run so I can utilize those carbs for performance when I'm doing my speed workout. And then for easier days, days where I just want to get out just to maintain my base and not do any kind of like speed work or performance, 
then I'll personally do it fasted and then get the majority of my carbs after that workout. And so same thing with the long run too. I'll typically have a little bit of carbs and protein before I start my long run. Um, but yeah, I personally, the way that I think though, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as you're getting the majority of your carbs within about a four hour window of your workout. And that could be before or after. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I don't know if that fully answers the question or not, but it just really depends on the goal of the workout. Yeah, I agree. Cause like, I think if you're not yet fat adapted doing some, like your easy runs, especially, but then also some workouts fasted or just with like a, a zero carb day, essentially would be really beneficial to, to become fat adapted, but yeah. then also to have a strong, like, say you're going to do an interval run or a tempo run, tempo run or something having carbs is going to greatly improve your performance in that. But at the same time, you don't want to just be like always hammering carbs and you're never going to get to that fat adapted state. So Mm -hmm. it depends on what your goals are. And obviously if you're just starting out, I would definitely say like do keto for a month or two, like hardcore and like, it's going to suck, but then start adding carbs in and stuff like pre and post run. Cause carbs do help um, with the recovery process when they're combined with protein. So having some carbs in your post-workout recovery drink or whatever you're eating is going to be very beneficial. And I think too, um, shoot, I just drew a blank. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Afternoon, I need a nap. (laughs) Um, Shoot. So I think too, it's important to note that usually when somebody is looking at this approach, the biggest recommendation that I'll give. So obviously if you're a person that's good, like cold turkey, going all in on something, then, you know, do that. But if you're worried about like, I don't want to use the word relapse, but if you're worried about like, like just getting to the weekend and just having a ton of cake and ice cream or something like that from your keto diet for the previous five days, if you're that type of person, I typically recommend just cutting, trying to cut out all the processed snacks that you can, and then cut out the breads and the pastas. Don't necessarily count your carbs but just get, try to get all of your carbs from fruits, vegetables, potatoes, some white rice. Um, and then once you feel co- good and confident cutting out the typical staples of the standard American diet, then start lowering your carb count and then focusing on adaptation because it is a little bit easier. I found when you do it that way. Yeah, I agree. I think the main thing is just not eating garbage and most of these like keto snacks you're talking about, like all these bars and things. They're just straight yeah. junk. Like they're not, they're a Franken food. They're like, it might be low carb, but they're no better for you eating the Snickers. So it's yeah. like, take your poison, I guess. It's like this trash that's keto or this trash that's not keto. It's like, it's still terrible for you. In my opinion, it yeah. is. <laughs> but no, that's a great question. Um, Thanks for asking, Stephen. Any more questions? Just be sure to comment them because we definitely want to make sure that we're covering everything that people's wondering. Was that the uh, only question that we had, Derek? That was our question for the week. Okay, so, perfect. Thank you, now, Stephen. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Now we can jump into Andrea's story. Not that the question from Stephen wasn't important, <laughs> but I'm just excited to hear your story and like your coaching history with Mike now. Yeah, so before we uh, go too much into your racing, your volume, and, and all that, I'm curious to hear your nutrition journey, Andrea. Uh, you are a low-carb athlete. I'm curious... And obviously I know more than Derek because I coach you, but like for Derek and the listeners, share a little bit about your, your journey to where you're at today with nutrition. That'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. So, um, I've been, 
I was vegetarian um, for about 25 years. Um, so the idea of eating steak or any type of meat uh, was very, was a difficult conversation. Just, you know, I know you know that, Mike, um, but those initial conversations uh, that we had, you know, when we first kind of met. Uh, so I was a vegetarian and then um, started running, having some energy issues. And so I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe I need to go vegan. So for two years um, before meeting Mike, I was vegan. And then as I started to get into like longer distance running, I did my first 50 mile, you know, kind of in that window, talking about probably two years ago, I started gaining weight and was feeling horrible. And I just, I didn't understand, you know, what was going on. And that's really when I kind of started seeking and searching, like, what's everybody eating out there, you know? And as you guys know, there's like so many things. Everyone's trying to tell you what's the right thing and what's, you know, answer this questionnaire and we'll tell you what garbage to eat, you know? <laughs> um, but then, then I met Mike and I really wanted to do some of the things that Mike was doing, that Jeff was doing, even these other, you know, female ultra runners, like, how are they doing this? How are they fueling and so on? And Mike really gave me a huge kind of just a lot of resources, you know, uh, check this out. And did you know, and maybe you could try and asking about my relationship with food was very important to me because everyone is different. And I have a very bad relationship with food. Obesity runs in my family. So food has always been bad. And, um, you know, so I went through some phases of calorie restricting Oh, it's how many calories I'm eating. It's, it's, it's so much stuff. So then I just trusted and I said, I have never eaten meat in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Jackie because she's like, yeah, she was like, are you sure? Are you okay? We're getting ready to go here in Dallas, a really good steak place. Um, I think it's called flower child. And after a 20 mile run, I went and ordered my first steak and I could only eat like two bites of it. I'm being transparent with you. It was a lot of chewing and I was afraid of how I was going to feel after eating that. And from there, you know, I'd never really been a big egg eater. Now everything is meat, eggs, cheese, berries. Like those are the four <laughs> things that I eat. Um, those are things that are never not in our house, you know, and it's really, and it, it, it hasn't taken a long time. I I'm, I'm more the cold Turkey type. So I just said, I know this is what I want to do. I know these are my goals. This guy's done it. So how, you know, let, let's open our minds here. Let's do a little learning and let's see what might work for Andrea. And it has, um, <laughs> I mean, it's changed everything. And I, and I still don't know that I, I know exactly how it works, but it's just like, I don't know how a Boeing 757 works, but I get on and we fly, 
<laughs> you know, and it's, it's like, I'm on this wave right now and I'm just riding and I am, I'm like, I don't know how this is happening, but I'm going <laughs> to keep eating meat, eggs, cheese, and berries. <laughs> so. My biggest question is, and that first steak that you ordered, uh, medium rare, medium, like, how did you take that? <laughs> well done with ketchup. Well, is that what you got? <laughs> I, I surprisingly, um, I think I, I, I don't remember ordering rare, medium rare. Jackie probably ordered it for me. And I probably sat at the table with my little mimosa and was like, oh God, what's happening? Um, <laughs> you know, cause I, cause I was scared, you know, I really was after all this time. I mean, from the age of 18 to, I mean, I'm 45, never having eaten meat. I'm like, this is either going to make me really, really sick. I don't know, like emotionally, how do I feel? about doing this but the logic makes sense to me the protein it's like well why wasn't vegetarian or vegan working well where were you getting your protein was it enough protein hell no there's there's no way that you can do ultra and let me tell you ultra road running and ultra trail running are not the same thing (laughs) 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 you know but even when I started trails two years ago, I mean, you're using so much more energy. There's just been so much learning and it's been really incredible to have met you, Mike, and of all places on freaking Instagram, you know, (laughs) but, you know, it's kind of like once you dive in and I, and I just kind of trusted and it's, it's really been, it's changed everything. That's awesome. Andrew, can I ask you a question then? Cause I know like within a vegan and a vegetarian diet, there's, there's so many ways to get protein. Obviously vegan and vegetarianism are, are different, but what were you using for your main protein sources? Was it a lot of like rice and beans or nuts and beans or what, what were you doing, I guess, for your protein and for your carbs? Right. Um, well, carbs. So we're talking, there's two different Andreas. There's the before Mike Andrea and there's the after Mike Andrea. Um, <laughs> And they really are two totally different people. And just the way I see food, the way I see food, my emotional relationship with food, like a lot of things are so different. And I guess I would say peas. I ate a lot of peas, lentils. Um, I wasn't a big pasta person because that just made me feel like, you know, (laughs) and I didn't really like that, but definitely a lot of nuts. Um, a lot of dark greens like spinach, kale, were those things high in protein? I have no idea. I was just like eating what I think is good and this is going to keep me skinny and this is going to make race pictures look good. Like even my mental place before Mike was so, you know, I wanted to look like runners look, I guess. And I just kind of think that's, I guess that's, what they look like so I wanted to be thin like them and I'm like if I'm thinner I'll be faster I was also a road runner uh before so so there's a big difference between a roadie and, and trail you know but now I know that choosing skinny and being uneducated about what's going on body is not going to get to the goals that I want to get to now it's more about choosing strong and how can I run the last 10 miles of a hundred miler as close as the first 10 miles of a hundred miler. Um, <clears throat> did you have another question, Derek, before I no, ask mine? I, I just want to say that's awesome. It's cool to see that you're able to 
kind of see that something wasn't necessarily working for you and you made that choice. I'm sure it was really hard to like, oh man, like I've done this for so long and now I'm going to change. And it's just really cool. So that's a really cool story. Like, thank you for, for saying that. Uh, yeah. When he says to eat cheese as a vegan, I'm like, I can't and eat eggs. <laughs> I mean, I didn't eat it. It was, I never ate any of that stuff. All that stuff was evil and bad. And I was like, that's going to make me so fat. Like you don't understand. And he's kind of like, well, but I do understand. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I do want to point out that um, I did not like when Andrea came to me to be a coach, I don't have like this screening and i'm not like hey you're a vegan if you want me to coach you you have to start eating steak okay <laughs> like you know she came to me about it and that's where the conversation began yes. um but i do i do want to point out i find this pretty fascinating so a lot of the criticism that i get by being a low carb athlete and advocating a low carb approach is that and not necessarily the criticism I get, but also mixed with what I'm seeing, like a lot of dietitians are pumping out on their social pages is that low carb approaches ruin your relationship with food, essentially, because you start counting carbs, you start freaking out about what's going into your system, and it it creates an unhealthy relationship with food. But what I heard from you just necessarily is that you feel your relationship with food was essentially cured or better once you switch to this approach. Did I hear that right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I, I guess because maybe I'm just more knowledgeable about these foods and the makeup of these foods and how the makeup of these foods are fueling muscle repair, recovery. I mean, I think it's more just educational. And those are came from a lot of the resources that you gave you know, to me things to check out, but it's better. And I don't, I don't count carbs, uh, per se, but the before Andrea definitely counted calories and was very hyper-focused on how many calories did I burn during a run or a workout? How many calories did I burn in my sleep? How many, I, I was very more calorie eccentric where now I just know what foods hold certain carb values as well as fueling values. And that's what I like to eat. And I feel good. I feel strong. Like it's, it's great. <laughs> eat until satiated, right? Yeah. 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 yeah just thinking yeah. about like carb counting and calorie counting, was that just really exhausting all the time to always have that running through your head and maybe even on paper? Yeah. I mean, I, so, I mean, some things like I'm a little embarrassed to say, but I think it's relatable, you know, like I had a food diary and I knew pretty much, okay, this, if I eat this thing, it's going to be this many calories. I essentially need to run this many miles to be able to eat this food. And it is exhausting. I mean, just the Food is always top of your mind. And when you're in that calorie space, which is totally false, it's it's horrible. And to think that there's so many, you know, athletes out there constantly thinking about, well, I, here's my weight and here's my race weight. So I'm going to have to really cut back on my calories so I can get down to race weight. Race weight. Like that's got to be so consuming. It, it consumes me for sure. I th I think that this brings up an important 
topic or discussion or point, but um, like, so everybody's different. Like we've said that multiple times on this podcast. Like I coach somebody who is vegan, vegan works for him. He makes it work and he feels good doing it. That's awesome. I think when it comes to nutrition and just anything like in today's world, we need to come to a point where we just have more understanding of why somebody does what they do. Like a lot of people, when they see somebody doing a low carb approach, one of the criticisms they throw out is that you're just constantly counting carbs, that you're worried about those types of things. But really what it does, like what it did for me, what I'm hearing it did for you is like, it takes somebody from a point where they're counting calories to be healthy to a point where they're not counting calories anymore. Like they're eating until they're satiated. And like, you know, me, I'm getting over 3000 calories a day probably. And so like, I'm, I'm shoveling in the food and that's a much better spot to be at, in my opinion, than counting calories, constantly worried about that, like taking to a point of under eating. Like when you do this approach, you're most likely not under eating, like getting a lot of fat, getting a lot of calories, getting a lot of protein. And you did bring up another good point too, Andrea, because Sure, when you start this approach, you might count carbs just to get an understanding because like there's so many carbs in so many different foods and you don't realize that until you start looking at it. (laughs) But like you do get to a point where you're not counting carbs anymore. You just, you eat what your body's craving. Like if you crave a big bowl of fruit, you're going to eat it. You're still going to be low carb because you're not shoveling in pastas and breads and pizzas, but you are getting your carbs and you're just eating what your body is cueing you to eat. And you do get to a point where you're not cutting carbs anymore. So I think that is important yeah. to note. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah, that you want to oh, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, feeling full, counting calories, I was hungry all the time, all the time. And you're you're kind of more in this restrictive place. And I think it's a negative relationship with yourself it's almost like saying no you can't eat that no you can't and you're constantly like in that space where with the carb thing you're right after a while and you've kind of educated on what foods hold what carb values and things like that you really I know on like you were saying a heavy day I'm going to eat some blueberries and I'm going to have some cream on lighter days I'm going to have more eggs and cheese or you know you just kind of know but I'm always full on this approach. Like I'm never hungry. And now I feel good about myself. Like I don't, you know, it's not like, oh, you had way too many calories or I don't know. It's, I think it also just like mentally is a more positive approach than the calorie restriction. Yeah. I mean, when you feel good, it's easy to to think better, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, and I'll like, I don't know if you had a question, Derek, but the other thing I wanted to quickly point out is like, you might, when you start this diet as well, like think, oh yeah, I can't have this stuff. But just like, you know, the transition I was talking about a second ago, you do transition to a point where like, it no longer becomes, I can't have this. It becomes, I don't want this. Like yep. I, I used to look at a pizza at Little Caesars and Little Caesars is a terrible example because it's terrible pizza, <laughs> but <laughs> Like I'd go to birthday parties and like, there's tons of pizza and I'd be like, oh gosh, I can't have that. This sucks. But now it's just like, I go to those parties and see that pizza. I'm just like, that looks disgusting. I want nothing to do with that. So it does, it might start as a restrictive diet, but it transitions to a, I'm just going to eat what I want. And I want to eat meat, eggs, and fruit. At least that's how I feel about it. (laughs) 
yeah touching on that like i kind of felt the same way at first because i'm like what i can't eat vegetables now like like it's not that i like love vegetables but it's like just seems like such a common thing to eat or i can't eat bread but now it doesn't even cross my mind like oh i want to go buy like a loaf of bread and make a sandwich it's like oh yeah like whatever but i think you kind of get a i don't know maybe this is a weird way to say it but you kind of get addicted to feeling good and it's like you know that eating cake and pizza like maybe the temporary reward is good because it tastes good in the moment but then like 10 minutes later you feel like garbage and then your runs suck and everything after that just sucks. And then maybe you spiral down and start eating crap. And then it's like this downhill spiral of just feeling terrible. And then and your mental outlook is bad. And everything just goes downhill. But then when you're eating properly, it's like you know how you're going to feel when you eat like a steak. Or like you were saying, Andrea, some berries and cream. You eat that and you just feel great. And you're like, you feel full. And you're not counting calories. So the mental aspect of like these games of like, oh, I, I can only have five more blueberries because I'm over my calorie count for the day or whatever. Like, all that nonsense goes away and like you feel better about yourself. You look better. Everything's better. Your performance is better. Like your relationships yeah. are better with people and mentally clear. So it's like you become addicted to just feeling good and that becomes your baseline. Like, why would you want to like drop below your baseline and just feel like garbage again? Like it's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's... Oh, go ahead, Andrea. Yeah. No, I was saying 100%. I even kind of just see like there's real food. And there's manufactured food. Manufactured food is not food. <laughs> like it's not, it's not real. It's crap. And it's, it's almost like the mainstream, like that's, they're just selling you something and you're going to feel like crap and you're going to keep searching for the answer, you know, but it's like, there's real food and it's always been here. But like, I don't know if social media or mainstream, like, like who's saying this stuff is bad? Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand. It's like, cause to your point, Derek, I feel good about feeling good, you know? <laughs> no. no, that's yeah. good to hear. Cause I, I hate when people are like, Oh, like, what do you eat? Like, you don't eat this, you don't eat that. I'm like, yeah, I just don't eat junk. Like I'm not eating a bag of chips for dinner with like pop tarts or something. It's like, no, I'm eating like <laughs> real food. Like people have been eating this stuff for, for millions of like thousands, if not millions of years. And so it's like weird that like in modern day society, like we think that like having a Coca-Cola with a, a Danish and cheese or whatever is like, that's like your diet. Like the cheese is good, obviously, but like the Danish and the Coke are terrible for you. That becomes yeah. like a normal eating habit for people. Then I think people get used to just feeling like crap. They don't realize how good they can feel once they start yeah. eating real food that humans are basically built to eat by mother nature. Um, yeah, there we go. Thumbs up. <laughs> I think that's a good point, Derek. Like, it's just something that's normal. Like, until you cut out those types of foods, you don't necessarily know what you're missing. Like, you know, eating Pop-Tarts, chips, cookies, ice cream, cereal, like, <clears throat> that's just what you grew up with. That's what you're used to. So that's how you're used to feeling. But, you know, for, for our experience, mine, yours, and Andrea's, once you cut that stuff out, you realize how much better you can feel. And was it you, Derek, that said earlier, like, you become addicted to feeling good? Or was that you, Andrea? Or both of you? Eric. I think, both of you. Derek, <laughs> I, think I, I think I said it, but Andrea definitely validated that point with, uh, with her voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Andrea, I uh, I want to read uh, a statement to you. This is found off of a it's pre precisionnutrition.com, low carb diets. Uh, from what I could see, it was written by a nutritionist on why you shouldn't do a low carb approach. 
Uh, and it, she talks a lot too about why women shouldn't do a low carb approach. So this is taking about 25 seconds to read, but I want to read it, hear what you have to think, Andrea, and then maybe we can dive into some of the bullet points I'm about to read too. But it says, if you like to exercise regularly and enthusiastically, restricting your carb intake too drastically can lead to decreased thyroid output, increased cortisol output, decreased testosterone, impaired mood and cognitive function, muscle catabolism, suppressed immune function. In other words, your metabolism might slow, your stress hormones go up, and your muscle building hormones go down. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, wow. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be like this huge yeah. awakening. Like, just what do you think when you first hear that? The first word that comes to my mind is propaganda. And that that might be an aggressive word. I don't know, but none of those things are accurate. Muscle cannibalism. I'm definitely the most muscular I've ever been. And I've been in places where I wanted to be small. So I don't know that I'm excited about being muscular, but I sure am racing well, you know, <laughs> so that kind of stood out to me, my, the muscle cannibalism thing, no, the stress or hormones. I'm not sure like about that part back to, you know, what I was saying earlier, like I finish a race and I'm like, I shouldn't feel this good. I should feel horrible. I mean, you know, literally the day after Coldwater Rumble. So we have a 3-3 townhome here and we're up on the fourth floor in the building here downtown Dallas. And I always take the stairs no matter what. I go down, going downstairs, all four <laughs> flights, fine. And I'm asking myself, like, why am I not sore? Not even a little bit. And I, it was so much to TikTok about it because it blew my mind. Like something's not right. Like I just ran Bandera 100K, which is not an easy course. And I just ran Coldwater Rumble, which even Browning said, that's a sneaky tough course. It was. <laughs> and I'm walking down the stairs with no problem. So I, and I don't know, like the whole stress thing. I mean, I have tons of energy. I feel great. I'm happy. I feel good about feeling good. I'm in a, a mental happy place where I literally just want to race all the time. I want to run all the time. I'm not tired. Um, I, I don't know. So, so to answer the question about that crazy statement, I don't see any of that's accurate to how I feel. Okay. I, uh, I think, well, first of all, I want to say, you know, they say a low carb animal-based diet can be pricey. Uh, Derek and I did a, an episode on how you can do it on a budget, but maybe that's what they meant because you're feeling so good. And now you're just wanting to sign up for all these races. So <laughs> that's killing your bank account. All these air Viper that's race good. fees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do think it's important to note though, this is an N equals one. It's like, you know, this is Andrea's personal experience. Like <clears throat> not to say that this is going to be the experience for everybody that tries it. Everybody has different variabilities, but I do think it's important to note that, you know, a lot has improved for Andrea ever since she started this approach. And so because of that, I just want to say people need to be more open to the possibilities here and that 
that this does work for a lot of people, including women. Absolutely. I will tell you, I don't have a huge following on TikTok. I probably have about 7,000 followers there. They want to know. They want to know. And I think it's really a matter of misinformation. And it's a matter of, and when I say the word ignorance, just like a lack of knowledge, there needs to be more. And I literally made a TikTok right before the show. Because I was like, you know, I'm I'm a little nervous to go and do this podcast. You know, I don't know, like, what kind of questions they're going to ask. But I want to do it because it's important for us to have these conversations and talk about, you know, hey, man, what are you doing? How do you feel? You know, and maybe I could try that. And maybe it'd be, it would change for me. We don't have that open mind. And we just say, oh, nope, I was raised this way or I, I, this is, you know, you're supposed to do it, just try it. And I I think we just all have to say open-minded, but there are people that want the information that you're sharing, Mike and Derek, they they want to know more about this and I'm behind it a hundred percent. And I'm going to, I'm going to scream about it till the cows come home uh, (laughs) because it's, it's changed a lot for me. And I, and I think it could change a lot for other people. Well, it's because of all the blanket statements, right? Like, instead of this doesn't work for all women, like maybe the statement should be, there are studies that show that this might not work for women as well as it works for men, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to work for women. Like, it's just the blanket statements of this is bad for everybody. This is bad for every woman. Like, those are the things that are scaring people. And those are the things that we need to, to correct and let people know that that's actually not the case. Yep. Yeah, so it's great that you're doing TikToks about it and that you're speaking about it because <laughs> speaking from my experience, I know it can be a, a mean world when it comes to talking about nutrition that's not necessarily mainstream. There's a lot of people that can come after you uh, if you do that. Yeah, you know, there is. And maybe because it's different. I know when I was a road marathoner, you know, getting ready for Boston, everybody was going to the co- the, the, the carb loading dinner at Boston. Mm. I mean, it's what you do. And even when, you know, I started running just six years ago, I'm kind of like, well, what's everybody doing? And that's just what it looked like. And so it's like this blanket statement for everybody. Oh, you need to go eat pasta. You need to go eat spaghetti somewhere, you know, the night before race night. And that's just, you know, I don't know. It's what you, it's just what everybody did, but maybe that does work for some people. It sure the hell didn't work for me. (laughs) Yeah. And likewise, we shouldn't make blanket statements that carb loading doesn't work for everybody. Like it does work for some people. Like those are the things that we need to be more open to. Um, I'm talking a lot, Derek. Is there anything that you want to add in here? (laughs) No, I just wanted to like uh, reiterate what you guys were saying. It's like, yeah, maybe for some people that works, but I think within nutrition and sports, we get really stuck in this dogma mentality of like, okay, carb loading is what you do. Cause like when I started running as well, like I had zero background in running. I played soccer growing up and stuff as a kid. And I got into running when I was in college. Oh, cool. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. I sucked at it, but it was fun. (laughs) I definitely enjoyed it. (laughs) But like when I got into running, it's like, I ran a half marathon, like the same thing the night before is like, okay, we're on this pasta dinner. And I'm like, well, why did my race hurt the next day? Why did my stomach hurts? Cause I ate like two plates of pasta, but in my head, I was like, well, that's what you do. Like you have to have all these carbs to run well. And I knew nothing like about like, like diet and nutrition or running in general. 
but like everyone always perpetuated that and even now i still people i see races doing that where it's like oh we're gonna have a pasta dinner before like this hundred miler it's like why would you want to eat that much and feel bloated all that fiber right before a big long run like it's gonna cause gastrointestinal issues like it's just that's just science right there it's gonna happen and and so i've noticed definitely a lot like if i if I have a le- like a lower fiber diet leading up to a race, like it just goes a lot better. And I definitely focus on the meat and the like fats and everything and just have a better day. So like, it, it's just cool to see that. And it's nice that like, I know we are definitely just like three unique people here, but I think it's cool to be able to talk about, talk about this way of eating with people. And um, on my long run on Sunday, we chatted about it for a while and just interesting like people's different approaches to it. But it also makes me wonder too, like, these people that are very set in their ways of like a very, very high carb diet all the time, like what they're running and just even general health and everything would look like if they just attempted even for a month, like to try an animal based diet, like prioritize fat and protein with the fruit and just see how it works. And like, if it doesn't work, like, would you lose a month? Like, it's not that much. Like, you're not going to die in a month of whatever disease you think you're going to get from eating meat. It's like, come on, like, just try it, like, see how you feel. And if it sucks, okay, don't do it. Fine. But at least give it a shot instead of just shooting it down all the time. Yeah. Uh, Andrea, I wanted to touch on something that you said earlier. Uh, You mentioned how you're not sure about like if it's increased your cortisol. Have you have you had that checked before, like at all or recently? No, I'm not even sure what that is or what that means. (laughs) Stress hormone. Okay. Basically, they're saying if you for women specifically, that you have a higher chance of increasing your cortisol, which would in turn make you more stressed? No, um, I haven't had that checked, but I'm, I might be in a unique space as well. So, you know, I was in private banking with JP Morgan. I worked in banking for 25 years and I retired, uh, you know, year before last, my children, 19 to 18 and 15. So if you were moving out, so I'm like in a phase of my life where, I feel like that should be a no stress time. You know, the kids are taking care of themselves. I'm retired. We're happy. So there could be other things contributing to my lack of stress. Um, But it could very well be, you know, in all fairness, you know, so I just want to share like that's kind of where I am in my life. But um, if they are saying that going low carb should cause me to be stressful, I don't see that. Again, it goes back to, I feel bad that I feel this good. Like, why do I feel this good with the amount of racing, the amount of traveling, the amount of other things that maybe should be stressing you out? Absolutely not. Not for me. That's cool. Yeah. I And all the times I see you in videos and talk to you, I, I've never gotten that vibe, but I just wanted to ask it just to make sure. Yeah. No. Uh, you do, you do um, make a really there. good point though, Andrea, that this is just like one piece of the puzzle, right? Like your diet is a very big piece of the puzzle, but still a piece of the puzzle. So like if people do have issues with stress and cortisol and all these other like issues, it's okay, well, yeah, start with your diet, but then also cut out other stressors in your life. If if Instagram's a stressor, cut it out. If I don't yes. know, if doing this thing, this person's a stressor, cut that person out of your life or whatever. So it sounds like you kind of have this really well-rounded approach and the diet definitely helped. Like, I don't know. I'm going to say it again, but just round everything off completely and make it work for you. And that's really cool to hear. It's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 
This might be a personal question, Andrea. And before I ask it, Derek, are you good on time? Um, I need to get out of here pretty soon. So Okay, yeah, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll end here shortly. <clears throat> this might be a question that you just want to say pass to, and that's totally fine, Andrea. Okay. But <laughs> another another claim for why a, a woman might consider not doing a low-carb approach is that it can cause irregular menstrual cycles. Have mm-hmm. you have you noticed that out of curiosity? I I haven't. Um, I can tell you that I've been an athlete since the time I was five years old. I played soccer up through high school and then I played volleyball in college, you know, and then now I'm in this in a running phase. So I've never been exact day, you know, and I've always hated those girls that know the exact day. That's always <laughs> helpful. Um, but um you know, not being on the exact day versus being irregular where sometimes you will have your cycle and sometimes you won't. No, I have it every single month. And it's generally around, you know, the first of the month. So I've never been on the exact day, um, but generally around the time. And there's not been any changes to that when I changed what I ate. It's interesting. And how long, I mean, I know I should probably know this, but like the people I coach, it just goes by with a blur. But when, when did we, when did you start doing a low carb approach roughly? I want to say it's been about six months and that's when I signed up for Cocodona. Like I just, I knew that I knew that I knew I wanted to do that. And that was the biggest project ever. And I was like, I need someone. I wanted a coach that wasn't from Texas. I wanted a coach that, I mean, you know, and I wanted a, a coach that didn't know me and I didn't know them. And then I wanted a coach that had success at, at Cocodona before, um, or, or not Cocodona, but running two hundreds, it was two hundreds. And so that's really kind of how, um, I came to you. And I want to say that was about a six months, six months ago. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right to me too. Yeah, I I will admit I have no idea like <clears throat> for that claim like messing up a, a lady's cycle like I don't know if there's like a time frame that that might start happening. I didn't read too much into that, but I do know that that is a claim. So I was curious to know if you've seen that yet or not. But it's good you haven't. That's great. <laughs> yeah, not yet, but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just include it in your next uh, check-in or your weekly <laughs> check-in. <laughs> Were you saying something, Derek? I yeah, sorry, muted. I was muted. <laughs> um, like, obviously, like, I'm I'm not female, and, like, it's not really my wheelhouse at all to, like, be an expert on that sort of thing. But I do think women do have a, a need for a, a high-protein fat diet, um, and partly that is because of the iron intake that you get from eating meat, specifically red meat. And I know it's, like, important for men. So obviously, it's important for women, but I think it's more important for women almost because of the blood loss every month where men don't mm-hmm. experience that. And it's weird in society, we have this stigma, like specifically with women, it's like, I, I can't eat meat, like meat's a manly food, it's only for men. So I'll eat a salad with tofu or a salad with chicken. It's like, maybe yeah. women should be eating more red meat specifically for the iron intake. And like, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm kind of speculating here and just kind of talking. So I don't want to sound like I'm an authoritative figure on this, but I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah, that's interesting. I would probably guess, Andrea, that you've noticed an increase in your energy levels since doing this right because you basically are racing every weekend and if you weren't if you weren't feeling those increases of energy then I doubt you would be racing as much as you are yeah no absolutely when I showed up for the 5k last weekend there were several looks 
um, from friends, you know, that they were surprised I was there. And, you know, we're talking about, are you going to race, race this? And I'm like, yeah, we'll see, you know, and, and, and one of them, she was in my age group. So, <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah, I, I have, I have lots of energy. Um, I, I want to just real quickly, Derek, to your point about uh, iron. So as a vegetarian and as a vegan, I was taking iron supplements and my physician, I've always had low iron. Um, I get bruised very easily. Um, you know, if I get cut or something, it takes a long time to heal. So as a vegetarian, I've taken iron supplements always. Um, and I, and I don't take them now. Um, I don't know. I hadn't thought too much about the iron, I guess. <laughs> No, that's really interesting to hear because I think a lot of women, um, specifically that in do do endurance events, struggle with iron issues. It's a very common thing, and so that's interesting to hear then that you're able to completely stop taking an iron supplement and just get enough iron from a whole food diet. It's really really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I the reason I asked about the energy levels, Andrea, I don't want people to think that was a random question, but I, I used to not know this, but like if you have if you have energy issues, it, it's a sign that you might be low on your iron iron can help fix that. And so, um, because I know that one of the reasons I found out about the importance of iron early on in my running career is because I felt low in energy quite often. And that was one of the questions I got asked is how are my iron levels? And so that is, is a very important thing to know that you two brought up the the uh, just how much more bioavailable iron is when you're eating a, a diet rich in animal products. It's it's quite different than if you're not introducing those into your diet. Exactly. So, yeah, well, yeah not to just be uh, the downer here, but I kind of got to get going uh, for yeah, work stuff. For sure. <laughs> uh, well, um, we uh, we appreciate you coming on, Andrea. And we appreciate you sharing your insight, your experience. It's really awesome to see what you're doing. For people who are listening that are on TikTok and Instagram, can you share quickly what your your handles are for those? Oh, sure. Um, they're both at and then someone all together and then some and the number one. The number one. Okay. Got it. Seems simple enough. <laughs> Yeah. We could put those in the show notes, right, Derek? Yeah, I'll add that stuff to the show notes. And also, um, touching on that, um, anyone that's listening or watching, if you could just like, share, and subscribe, doing all that really helps us out. Um, and it's kind of to Andrew's point from earlier, just like getting these stories out there to people. Like the more we share, the more normal this becomes. And then we're not these pariahs in the the running world or the the <laughs> nutrition world. Like, and all the stuff makes sense. And I think we can really help a lot of people's lives um, by just having a proper diet. Like. This is one thing that people change. I think they're going to start changing other important things in their lives as well and have better relationships and better family status and all these other things. So like it's just a, it's a, I don't know, it's a precursor, I guess, to having success in life, in my opinion. Agreed. And two, for those who are listening, uh, be sure to ask questions uh, like Stephen did earlier. We love questions. We want to answer your questions. And also, too, Derek and I can only talk to each other back and forth so much in these episodes. <laughs> so if anybody has a suggestion on somebody that we should bring on to the show, please leave that as well. We love interviewing people like we just did with Andrea and like we did with Jeff earlier. But any help and feedback would be appreciated. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Andrea. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, thank Andrea. You it was awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And I just want to real quickly to say thank you, thank you, thank you. These are the conversations that need to happen. And I know that there's more people out there that want to hear this topic of insight. So keep doing what you're doing. We love it. And thanks for letting me be a little part. <laughs> thank, oh, thank you, you. and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and for everybody else, we'll see you next week. Thank you. All right. Bye.